1: So today we're going to be talking about a subject I don't know a lot about, and it's one of the reasons that people get kidney disease and kidney failure, and it's called Alport Syndrome. And today I'm speaking to the president and co-founder of the Alport Syndrome Foundation, and her name is Sharon Lagus. So please welcome to the show, Sharon. Thank you. So, so tell us a little bit about what is... Alport syndrome.
0: Well, Alport syndrome is an inherited kidney disease that causes uh, kidney failure as well as hearing loss and vision problems.
1: And what actually goes on in the body? Is it, I'm just intrigued by that.
0: Yeah, it's all um, because of a little collagen defect. It's actually the collagen 3, 4, and 5 network that's in your body. It's a connective tissue or a basement membrane. And the basement membrane is in your kidneys, your ears, and your eyes. That's why um, each of those are affected. And there are three different genetic types of Alport syndrome. There's X-linked. Uh, autosomal recessive and autosomal dominant that affect each of the different uh, collagen molecules. And so, the most common is X-linked Alport syndrome, and that's um, that causes boys to be affected more than girls, although girls do get the disease as well. So boys oftentimes will uh, experience kidney failure in their late teens and early 20s, all because the connective tissue of the kidney was not formed properly and is damaged over time.
1: Now, I was reading your bio, and this is something very personal to you because you've been dealing with this for generations. Can you give us a little bit more information about that?
0: Yes. Three generations of my family have been affected by Alport syndrome. And that's one of the things that's very devastating about the disease. For many families, it's a diagnosis for the entire family and not just the individual. So in, um, in 2004, I lost my brother to the effects of Alport syndrome at the age of 38 years old. And the same month that I lost my brother, I found out that two of my three children, both of my boys, had Alport syndrome, as well as my brother's two daughters, my nieces, and that I had the disease as well as my mother. So it was quite devastating, and, you know, we looked to connect with other families dealing with the same thing. And at the time, there was no organization for Alport syndrome, and so we we decided to start the foundation, and I was lucky enough to meet up with some other people, other families affected by the disease and some concerned friends, and we launched the organization in 2007.
1: Now, one of the things that I find is so you know striking about this illness that it, it affects the kidneys, but you said hearing and vision. So it comes with an array of complications. Are your family members suffering any of these specific conditions? Um, our
0: family does not has not experienced hearing loss, and we're told that that's due to our specific genetic mutation, although the majority of Alport syndrome patients do experience hearing loss, and they usually experience hearing loss before they lose their kidney function. So oftentimes, we have referrals to the foundation of young boys that with unexplained hearing loss um, that uh, they... they um, have been diagnosed or sent to a nephrologist because the audiologists know that the basement membrane that's in the ear is also in the kidneys, and in these instances, these children need to be seen by a um, a nephrologist. So the majority of patients do experience hearing loss. Vision issues are usually a little, um, they're a little less common, and it's something called anterior lenticonus, and that's usually corrected with glasses. And I should say, for hearing loss, the majority of patients uh, can function fine with um, a hearing aid. There's usually not total and complete hearing loss, um, but there are in some cases, but
1: you. know, when you think about that, I lost the hearing in my right ear due to an acoustic neuroma about three years ago, maybe four years ago, and I can't hear anything on um, the right side. When somebody's to the right of me, it makes it very difficult when you're in the medical setting because you can't tell where alarms are coming from. And I mean, to think to have both conditions has got to be pretty devastating to people. Probably that's one of the biggest
0: challenges for our young members. You know, i The boys in particular, um, many of them experience hearing loss at a young age in middle school or high school, and it makes it very difficult. Um, They have issues about, you know, fitting in with their peers, and they do need to sit in the front of the classroom to hear and then wearing the hearing aid. So um, it is definitely uh, a challenge, uh, you know, uh, an initial challenge before they even have to deal with the effects of, um, you know, the kidney problems.
1: I know some of the other illnesses like polycystic kidney disease, some people have it and they don't know it. Is that um, a reality in the United States that people may have Alport syndrome and they don't know it? And, you know, how do you get tested?
0: It is, a, unfortunately, a tremendous reality. Alport syndrome is underdiagnosed and misdiagnosed. We have lots of families that have been told they have familial nephritis uh, or uh something uh, less, you know, uh, something more benign called thin basement membrane disease that they find out after they've had children that they actually have Alport syndrome. And, you know, Alport syndrome, the initial symptoms, like any kidney disease, um, can go undetected. It's blood and protein in the urine uh, is one of the initial symptoms. And and you know uh, from your work that uh, unless somebody's looking for that, oftentimes it's missed. And the, the real tragedy is that there is medication that, it, that can prolong kidney function, and the sooner this medication is started, the longer the protective effect. And so it is really important to get diagnosed as early as possible with Alport syndrome. And, um, you know, the typical uh, diagnosis is either a kidney biopsy or there is genetic testing that is available um, for Alport syndrome.
1: When you have children, is it um, going to be certain that they're going to carry this gene? Because I know in polycystic kidney disease, it can skip a generation.
0: For uh, passing on Alport syndrome, for X-linked Alport syndrome, for women, there's a 50% chance. So in, in my instance, um, as a woman, I have two X chromosomes, and um, one of my X chromosomes carries Alport syndrome. And so I had a 50% chance with each um Uh, pregnancy of passing on Alport syndrome to one of my children. And in my case, two of my three children are affected. And for a male with X-linked Alport syndrome, if they have um, boys, male children, they will not be affected because they will pass on their Y chromosome and not their X. However, each of their daughter's Will be uh, will be affected by Alport syndrome.
1: You can pretty much determine who's going to get it. Almost, it's it's pretty devastating when I think of that. Like, yeah, if you're a, a, a male with Alport syndrome and you have a girl, they're going to have Alport syndrome too. That's got to be a hard reality. To think about when you're having children.
0: It is and um, you know for many of us we didn't have this information available to us when we are having children which I think in some ways makes the decision easier so it is very difficult um, but it's also um, you know it also provides information to make informed decisions as mm-hmm. well and if you are a male um, you know there are potentially ways that you can increase your chances of having a male child and Uh, So, you know, we've come a long way in that respect. And so it does give you um, at least more information to make informed decisions.
1: So what kind of treatments are available for Alport syndrome? The primary treatment is ACE
0: inhibitors, which is a blood pressure medication, but it's been shown in other kidney diseases to prolong kidney function. It has a protective effect it helps to mitigate the amount of protein that is actually going through the connective tissue or the basement membrane of the kidney, and those protein molecules are what cause the scarring or the fibrosis, which eventually causes the kidney to fail. So the, the primary treatment at this point is an ACE inhibitor or, um, or an ARB, um, which is um, an angiotensin receptor blocker, and an ACE is an angiotensin-converting
1: enzyme. I am so impressed that you said that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so used to using acronyms that I thought um, it would be worthwhile to um, to actually, you know, totally provide impressed. the full name.
1: I, you know, when I learned how to say secondary hyperparathyroidism, I, I felt like it was a victory.
0: <laughs> I would say so. Well, glomeral disease, glomerial nephritis—that's one that also gives a lot of trouble to people.
1: It, yes, definitely. So you know, so other than that, if 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 your kidneys fail, you basically can go on dialysis or get a transplant. Is the next um, option? If you get a transplant, can the Alport syndrome affect the transplanted kidney? No. So the majority there are there's a very small
0: percentage that do have something called anti-GBM disease, but the majority of patients that get a transplant um, will no longer have Alport syndrome since it was actually part of their you know original kidneys. So when you're when you're transplanted with Alport syndrome, you essentially no longer have Alport syndrome.
1: Wow, that's pretty amazing. That's exciting. Um, so, tell us a little bit about the research that's going on that the Alport syndrome is uh, helping make happen.
0: Yeah, it's a very exciting time. Um, since we started in two thousand and seven, we've really seen um, in, an increase in research for Alport syndrome. Um, the patient registry also started around the same time that the organization did. The patient registry is uh, located at the University of Minnesota, and it is uh, the director is Dr. Clifford Cashden, and. So so we you know work together uh, so we provide support to the registry and um, and then we've also as a foundation have uh, funded over half a million dollars of research on a variety of different projects from basic science projects on amniotic fluid stem cells and Alport syndrome to um, combination drug therapies. So we've been our, our strategy is to provide seed funding for established researchers or new researchers to develop, um, you know, new uh, and exciting new avenues to advance the understanding or the treatment of the disease and then to go to larger funders to, you know, then um, fund the full, um, you know, the full study. And there's there's lots of interesting um, Things happening right now. There is a, uh, a potential clinical trial that may happen in the next year. Uh, the ACE inhibitors and the ARBs that are used to prolong kidney function, at a certain point, they no longer work, and the kidneys become too fibrotic and scarred, and they fail. And this new compound that's coming to clinical trial could actually intervene at that stage and and block this fibrosis or scarring. So we're very um, excited to you know see. Um, how that progresses, because right now there's really nothing that can prevent this fibrosis effect um, in Alport syndrome or other kidney diseases.
1: And when you mention patient registry, is that to be in the clinical trial or just to basically keep track or try to stay in touch with people who have been diagnosed with Alport syndrome?
0: Well, it's for both. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, for a rare disease, many Alport syndrome patients have never met anybody else with the disease, so it is very important to connect patients, and we certainly do that as part of the foundation. Uh, We do patient meetings and family conferences, and they do that through the registry as well. But one of the most important things for a rare disease is if there is a potential therapy that comes to clinical trial Having the patients available for the clinical trial is critical because um, obviously nothing can progress without the patients. So that's where the patient registry for a rare disease comes into play, particularly for Alport syndrome. So that um, you know we encourage and educate the patient community about what the patient registry is and you know what clinical trials they may be doing or studies, and how important it is for everybody to be part of the registry. They can always choose, you know, to be part of a clinical trial or not. Um, They'll certainly be provided with plenty of information to make that decision, but the most important aspect is to be, you know, to be able to be part of it, to be notified, so that you can um, know what is available to participate in and what's going on.
1: How many people are affected with Alport syndrome?
0: Well, that's an interesting question. There are statistics out there that say one in 5,000 people are affected by Alport syndrome, but that is based on studies done at the University of Utah, where they deciphered the genetics of Alport syndrome and used a a lot of large families living in Utah. Another statistic is one in 50,000. So in reality, I, I think that it is somewhere in between the two, but there are no specific statistics on Alport syndrome. There's no actual ICD or diagnosis code specifically for Alport syndrome, so it's very hard to actually determine the number of patients and the actual statistics for those affected by it, but it's certainly uh, classified as a rare disease, and um, and we know that there's uh, you know, less than 200,000 people that are affected by it in the United States.
1: Well, and when you think about it, when you mention ICD-9 code, it's because if you're on Medicare, if you have anything and, you know, they write the code in, then you can pull all the data from Medicare very easily. That's one of the great systems that um, you can get information from.
0: <laughs> right. And then, unfortunately, Alport syndrome is lumped in with, I think, glomerular diseases or inherited diseases. So there's not a specific code for Alport syndrome. So it is you know, very hard to pull out those statistics.
1: Now, how do people learn more about Alport syndrome or get involved? I imagine you have a website. It is alportsyndrome.org,
0: and we have um, plenty of information on the disease, on um, upcoming events, as well as the research we funded and volunteer opportunities. So as a small nonprofit, we're always looking for more volunteers to join us uh, we just ran Alport Awareness Month that we held as part of National Kidney Month, and uh, it was a tremendous success. We had a lot of our members out there in the community telling their story and um, educating others about kidney disease and Alport syndrome as well. So we, we are always looking for, um, you know, more people to join us to raise awareness and, um, and get the word out there. So they can go to AlportSyndrome.org and um, certainly contact us directly, you know, through the website.
1: Well, Sharon, you know, I admire you so much in the work that you do because I think, you know, and and I did this myself, is the best way to help yourself is to go help others. And, uh, you know, it's so rewarding because you meet so many different people who impact your life and you learn from, you're able to provide your information. And it's so wonderful to be able to let other people know that there's hope despite your circumstance.
0: You're so right, Lori. And that's probably been the biggest Impact um, for myself and my family, and I would say the Alport community is, you know, when you're first diagnosed with this disease, it's just overwhelming, and you feel like a victim. And by getting involved with the foundation and educating ourselves and forming this community of not just patients but physicians uh, and researchers as well as, you know, biotech, and we're working internationally as well, it's just very empowering, and it um, provides a lot of hope to see how many people are now getting involved, and what's being done. That it does provide uh, provide us with a lot of hope for the future.
1: Well, thank you so much, Sharon, for sharing your story. And if anybody wants to learn more, go to the alportfoundation.org. And I look forward to seeing you at a future meeting. Thanks, Lori. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find
0: us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.